I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Welcome to day four of my July book blast. Today, I'm going to be calling this Thrilling Thursday, and there are a bunch of thrillers and suspenseful reads that I thought you'd really enjoy and that would make great summer reads. A lot of these came out during the pandemic, and they're really worth your time, so I wanted to get them out. I hope you enjoy them. Elizabeth Kay is the author of Seven Lies, which is a fantastic debut thriller. Seven Lies, when it made the submission rounds for the publishers, it became one of the most sought-after novels of the year and was immediately sold all over the world at the London Book Fair. Now, there's already a TV deal in place. Publishing rights have been sold in 20 countries, and it's gearing up to be a really exciting, much-anticipated summer read. So I had to get it out so you guys could hear about it. Elizabeth Kay works in the publishing industry under a different name. She currently lives in London and has a first-class degree in English literature. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love your accent. I always love doing <laughs> podcasts with these beautiful British accents. It sounds so official and everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Seven Lies, your book like took the world by storm at the London Book Fair and now is going to be a TV and movie and it's so good. First of all, tell listeners what it's about and then what inspired you to write it, which is a great story too. Sure. It, it's the story of seven lies that lead to the death. And it starts with two best friends, Jane and Marnie, who've known each other since school. And it is organized by the seven lies that Jane tells to Marnie throughout the novel. And along the way, we find out what this death is and how their friendship falls apart and the various strings that have been pulled and released as their relationship has evolved. Kind of, I think it's for me, it was about how sort of childhood friendships can evolve as we become adults and what that can look like and how female friendships can be intense and very overwhelming and that can be a brilliant thing, but it can also be a, a difficult and very complicated thing at the same time. So true. And what was it, the inspiration for it, how I came to write it? Yes, please. <laughs> um, so on a, on a practical kind of how did I write it note, I've been writing something else for about three years and I had kind of I'd worked, I felt like I'd been working at it for absolutely ages and I had rewritten it again and again and changed whole parts of the plot. And I never really felt like it was particularly exciting or very strong. And it took a long time, I think, for me to have the courage, I suppose, to say, actually, I'm going to stop trying. I think I'd always been told, you know, keep persevering, keep persevering, don't give up. And it felt like a bit of a failure to put that one away. But as soon as I had kind of drawn a line under it, I was able to start thinking about something new. And I knew I wanted to write about female friendship. And I knew that I wanted it to be very dark and very sinister. 
And the main character is Jane. It's all told from her perspective. And her voice came to me straight away. And I so enjoyed being in her head that I kind of very much, once I had her and I felt like I knew her and I knew how she spoke and what she wanted to say, I felt like I was onto something that felt exciting to me. It's also so great how you have Jane talk directly to the reader. I always love when that happens in books, right? Like Me too. You, Me too. I, it's just so neat because then you're, you're just like so in it. You know, you feel complicit in whatever she's doing and thinking and I don't know. It's just like this, it's a, it's a like, intimacy squared something you know <laughs> I totally agree I really I that's something that I really enjoy I really like a first person narrator and as you say that sense of kind of being part of their story can be quite enjoyable yes there was a passage the way you write about female friendship because I've you know as a woman and whatever I adore my female friends and I've thought a lot about friendship over the years as many people have. And there's one passage, hold on, let me just get to it. You wrote, there is something so enchanting about a first best friend at 12. It is intoxicating to be so needed, to crave someone so acutely, and to have that feeling of being so completely entwined. But these early bonds are unsustainable, and someday you will choose to extricate yourself from this friendship in the pursuit instead of lovers. You will extract yourself limb by limb, bone by bone, memory from memory, until you can exist independently until you are again one person where once you were two. So great. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's just so captivating. It's like, that is what happens because you're so enmeshed. I had a really, like one of my, well, my best friend passed away in, on September 11th. And oh, at so the sorry. time, thank you. At the time we were so, I try to explain now, like, and I explained to my husband, like, you know, we're so close now. That's what it felt like then. Because in your early 20s, like your best friends are like your everything. They're who you talk to and you're just so like entwined. So when I read this passage, it just made me think of my friend Stacey and I don't know, just how everybody, it doesn't have to be at 12. It can be at any point in your life when you meet someone and you become just totally like hooked together in a way. So. And I think, you know, you find you're talking to them all the time and you're telling them that there's nothing about your life that they don't know. They know more than your parents, your siblings. Everyone else feels kind of boring by comparison. You just want to be with that person. It is like falling in love, I suppose. And I think particularly when you're in that teenage phase, I guess all the hormones and everything else make it all that much more intense anyway. So true. So how did you come up with this structure, which I love also, by the way, of the seven lies in each chapter is, is a lie. Like, how did you come up with that? Or was it just a natural development when you were writing it? It was, I suppose it was a conscious decision. The book I had been writing before had always felt really woolly and like I skipped all over the place and I never had enough structure or momentum. And so I knew I needed to be quite strict with myself this time and not allow myself the space to kind of run away into various ideas without focusing on a central plot. And Seven Lies felt like an interesting way to hold myself to account. I couldn't, I could never travel too far away because I always had to get back to the next lie in the story. So it started for me as quite a practical tool. And because I'm, I'm not really a planner instinctively, I sort of had a vague idea where the middle would be, a vague idea where the end would be. And it served as a bit of a roadmap to stop me stop me losing my place, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. And I read somewhere that you were inspired by some sort of Broadway show to, to write this particular story. Did I make that so up? My, <laughs> my, no, you didn't make that up. My husband, we were in New York for his birthday in 2018, I think. And we went to see Waitress. And there is a song in that called Take It From An Old Man, which is 
one of the characters, I don't know if you know, it's saying to the other, you know, life is short, do what you want to do, have a go, it doesn't matter if you fail. And that was a point at which I was like, right, I have to put down the previous book, I have to draw that line underneath it, and I have to try it again. So it was just one of those moments that, I don't know, the song kind of pushed me to take that leap and to trust my gut and to start afresh. Very interesting. So like start to finish, how long did this book take? About all in, I think it was about a year or 15 months, including editing. Um, So not too bad, given the other was three years and it didn't get very far. (laughs) (laughs) And you work in publishing also? I do. I'm an an editor for Transworld Publishers, which is part of Penguin Random House in the UK. So that is where I have that editor hat, Monday (laughs) to Friday, and then writer hat Saturday, Sunday. Wow. So when did you find time to do this? Did you, was this like a before work, after work? It was only weekends, actually. I was always really knackered after work and I can never really think creatively or kind of carve out the time for it. So I sort of sat down every Saturday and Sunday morning and wrote until I couldn't bear to write another word. And eventually there were enough words on the page for me to start editing, which is what I prefer doing if I'm honest. Getting the words down felt like a bit of a slog. And then I started to enjoy it from there. Have you always, I mean, your whole life is now books, right? Your editor. Well, I had a baby four months ago. So that's kind of shaken the book bit to the side for the moment. (laughs) Congratulations. Um, But up until then, it was was very much all books. Was it something that from a very young age, you just knew you loved and wanted to do? And, or how did you discover? Because I know you had some sort, you had a pivot earlier in your career when you weren't working in the book world and your husband suggested that you do it. Yeah, so I... I wrote a lot as a child. I loved writing as a child. And I think I stopped at some point in my teenage years. It just stopped being a priority. And then when I was studying, it was always other people's books and thinking about language and form and never writing creatively. So it wasn't until after I left university and I started to think, God, what do I want to do? What sort of job do I want? I found myself in a job that I hated. And my husband said, oh, well, you like books. And I thought, well, Let's give that a go then. And I was really fortunate, actually. I kind of, I landed on my feet in many regards. I managed to get a couple of work experience placements. And one of those companies was then hiring for a PA. So I was able to apply for that job and then move up from there. And I think it was once I was back in the book world, when I was working in books and seeing people writing creatively and doing that as a career. And I suppose seeing how publishing works, I thought I wanted to try it from the other side as well. And now that you've done both, like, what's your, <laughs> what do you think? Like, what, what was the most useful thing from being on the publishing side that you took into your experience as a writer? Being, the importance, I think, of being able to pitch a book really succinctly. So when I'm trying to acquire a book as an editor, I'm always trying to pitch it in one or two lines at the most because I know that the publicists have to go out and talk to the media and be as pithy as possible and the sales team to retailers. It's so, so hard to stand out, I think. And so that little focus for what that book is and how you can sum it up really briefly and make people feel excited by it. That was something I was aware would be great if I could manage to do that. Excellent. What sort of advice would you have then to aspiring authors, aside from a short and exciting pitch? (laughs) I think I would say, based on my experience, don't be afraid to just put something down and start again. If it starts to feel boring, genuinely, but I think everything feels boring. And hard work at times. That's not necessarily a reason to <laughs> stop. But I think if you're, if it's not exciting you anymore, start again, try something different. Don't be afraid to do something else for a week or two weeks, just to see if that feels like a better fit. I think if I had taken that advice earlier, I probably would have saved myself a lot of time trying to ed- edit something that was never really going to be good enough. 
Tell me about the experience of the sale of this book and what that was like for you emotionally. It felt ridiculous at the time. It felt so surreal. I was really excited when I signed with my agent because I think she's brilliant and I've been impressed with her and thought she was wonderful long before I had a relationship with her professionally. And I knew that she had done brilliant things for other debut authors. So I felt excited that she was going to be the one to send it out. But still, I think I was managing my expectations. And when we started getting offers from various countries, it was so hard to kind of make that feel real. I'm still not sure it does feel real, if I'm honest. It feels still very, very strange. But it was such a thrill that other people liked it because for so long, it's just you, you and a keypad writing away at a laptop. And then to have an agent like it is amazing. And then editors coming on board too is is so exciting. And tell me a little more about the film and TV news around the book. So that, again, that feels crazy. I mean, you never quite know if it will come to fruition, but we have the, it's been optioned and there is a writer currently working on a pilot here in the UK for a potential TV series. So fingers crossed, who knows, it might be, it might be on TV at some point. It's so exciting. It's such a perfect transition to a limited series with seven episodes, right? Isn't that? I hope so. I right? hope I mean, so. That seems like, if I were a TV <laughs> producer, that's what I would do. Now I that think that's, that's what they've been talking about, trying to keep the structure and see what happens. I don't know. I'm, it's one of those things I feel like you hand it over to, to another creative team and say, do what you can with it. I hope it works for you and it feels exciting and you can do something fresh. So yeah, I'm just hoping that it will, that it will happen. But yeah, fingers crossed, certainly. And what has it been like now having a baby and trying to, are you still trying to write or how has it changed your creative, you know, output? I'm trying. <laughs> it's, it's not as easy as it was to carve out uh, <laughs> big chunks of time. Um, I think we're getting into a little bit more of a pattern, getting more sleep now, certainly, which means a bit more mental space for thinking, if not actual time. But I'm hoping, well, we will see. It feels a very different way to be writing my second book than it did for Seven Lies. Can you share what your next book is about? It's kind of very much in its infancy. Um, but I think it will be a story, a similar dark story looking at women in particular. And I think it will be focusing on women and anger, which is something I kind of just, it's something that's interested me for quite a while and how we think quite negatively about women who are angry. And it's seen as a weakness, perhaps, and kind of an ugly quality in, in many ways. But actually, I don't know. I feel like there might be something there. So we will see. If I can get the words on the page, we'll find out if there is something there after all. <laughs> well, fantastic. Thank you so much for chatting with me about your Not book. I feel like I can't wait to like watch and see as your career progresses because I feel like you're so young. I don't know how old you are, but oh, you, seem, you seem young to me. And this book is so good. I mean, just the way you wrote it, the way it's like you don't get lost in the sentences and yet they're still really interesting sentences. Like they're, they're not too self-conscious. Like you write, it's clear enough and yet it's still literary, but not in a way where you feel like you're ever out of the flow of it, which I really appreciate because sometimes the sentences themselves can be a little, you know, distracting in their prettiness almost. And this is not like that. You're just so immersed and I'm very grateful for books that really capture my attention and like draw me in and get me out of my own mind. And your book like is like a check plus. So oh, I can't wait to you. just, you know, truly, I can't wait to see all of your output. And it's exciting. That's so nice to hear. I always say that I can be a bit of a lazy reader sometimes. Like it, I have to kind of really, if I'm not into it really quickly, I find it quite hard to persevere. So to know that this was a book that 
kept you going. Yes, no, amazing. And I see why there's so much attention around it. And anyway, it's very exciting. So I'm wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. uh, Making sure not to tell any lies, because as as you point out in the book, the first one, you know. (laughs) Hard to stop. Hard to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode from Thriller Thursday, part of my July book blast to get great authors into your hands while the summer is still going on. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at ZibbyOwens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.